the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, and welcome to the Monday Night Edition of the Andrea K Show. I say that like there's another night edition of the Andrea K Show. But you know what? Stay tuned for further announcements because there just may be additional nights of the Andrea K. Show. But I tell you what, even if there's not, there's still other opportunities this week for you to hear what I have to say. In fact, I'm going to be back on America Trends TV this week with Dr. Gina Loudon. So I will be posting more information on that. And it also sounds like I'm going to be back on none other than Craig's sewing show here on KCBQ. There is so much happening here that we're just going to have to bust through the next two hours because we got a lot going on. And thank you to you all for, for being out there and sharing sharing this uh, two hours with me on Facebook, on Twitter, at the Andrea, at Andrea K Show. No the on that. Uh, keeping all the wheels on the truck rolling round and round, hopefully throughout the whole show, is none other than DJ Carrot Sticks Todd. All systems go. All yeah. systems go. Yeah. <laughs> and I am really pleased that to share this um, time with me tonight. Uh, coming up. Ooh, that sound was because I did not turn off the sound <laughs> on my laptop as we went live. Let me do a little little technology update there. Guess who's going to be back in the studio with me live in about an hour? And that is my gal, my partner in crime for all these months, my Louie from St. Louis, legal libertarian analyst and owner of Bellatrix Law, who's going to be in the studio with me later. That's Alicia Dern. So I'm so excited to actually have her beautiful face in here. She's going to be here actually with her husband, Simon, because he's in town with her. And she's bringing in a special guest for this week's Bellatrix Business Block. And you're going to want to stay tuned for that because we're going to have some fun coming up. I also have with me, you know, everybody's talking about this presidential race. So many people are forgetting that we've got a congressional race going on. We have a huge opportunity here in California. Barbara Boxer's seat is open. She has retired Ding dongy, the ding dong is gone. And Tom Del Beccaro is going to be on the show tonight, and he's going to be talking about his big ideas that he has as he's running for that seat. Who? Um, there's lots to talk about tonight, all related to strategy. I've got another guest coming on the show tonight who is one of the top strategist in the Republican Party. You haven't heard her name probably. I hadn't either until recently, but that's because so many of the top strategists and the consultants are unknown to us. We don't get, we don't see their faces. We don't m- really move in their circles, but they are the people that are implementing strategy. And people are like, strategy, Andrea, you're going to talk strategy tonight. Oh, that just sounds so um, sausage making and so in the weeds. The reality is everything is about strategy. What are so many people talking about this week? They're talking about Boehner resign. They're talking about Trump and his tax plan today. They're talking about speeches at the U.N. What's going on in all that? You don't think the speechwriters are thinking strategy? Every move that gets made in politics is strategy. In fact, it, it kind of reminds me of, and I don't typically like that thing, that, that 
I'm, I'm an honest person. I'm a straight shooter. I typically don't like strategy because to me, that's game playing. Somebody said to me many years ago at Xerox, and there's no more political system in the world than corporate America. And somebody said to me at Xerox, boss, she pulled me in the office and she said, Andrew, there's a game being played and you're either going to get in that game. I get that you don't like internal politics, but it's a game and there's a game being played and you're either going to get in the game and be in it to win it and win it. Or you might as well get out because that's what's going on here. And you better embrace it and you better get good at it. And you know what? I did. That's one of the reasons why I like Carly Fiorina, because I think that's where she learned her politics and she learned at the Masters of Corporate America. It is a game. It absolutely is a game. And what we need to understand, what we need to make sure as we go forth, whether it's congressional races or whether it's the presidential race, we need to make sure that the people calling the plays, which are elected officials, are actually for our team. And actually wanting us to win. And that's not just the elected officials, but that's also the consultants and the strategists behind the scenes who are oftentimes calling the shots. We don't need anybody Pete Rose in the situation on us out here. And unfortunately, I think we've had a little bit of that going on in terms of strategy. We've had a failed strategy going on, in my opinion. I think anybody who looks at the results of where we're at can see that. Uh, and we need referees. We need people re- um, officiating the game who are going to do so Honestly, and from a standpoint of objectivity in terms of investigating the evidence and reporting back the facts, and that to me is the media and it's the the judicial branch, and that includes all the different court systems we have as well as uh, SCOTUS up in D.C., you look at the impact that they've had. Who, who really believes that the, that the last decisions that have come down have been impartial? Who believes right now that we've got an impartial media? And they're the referees. In fact, our founders believe that we must have a free press because they were a critical part of the checks and balances, just like three co-equal branches, including the judicial branch that has become so activist, legislating from the bench. The media was supposed to be another critical piece of the checks and balances. Their job was to investigate on the because Americans are supposed to be out here doing our job every day to raising our families, doing you know, keep keeping the wheels turning in our own daily lives, trusting that the media is going to investigate the elected officials and hold them to account and report back to us so that we can make educated decisions. When you look at the strategy as to what's been going on with the Republican Party, of which we're going to talk about tonight. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Um, it, it became clear to me as we look at Boehner resigning and what's going on with the leadership of the Republican Party. And I've got a top GOP strategist, Denise Gitsum is her name, and she has the ear of anybody who's any, everybody and anybody. Did I say that right? Anybody who's every. Everybody who's anybody, that's it. Everybody who's anybody in the Republican Party uh, listens to what she has to say. And she may disagree with me here, but it's clear to me and to many of us out there that Boehner resigned for a reason because his leadership is one of failure. And it seems really clear that what the leadership strategy has been, at least it appears to us, and she can tell me if I'm wrong, that it's really been one of capitulation. It's been one of surrender. And even worse, even on top of the fact that it's been one of capitulation and surrender, they've played games with that to try to make it appear that it's been something else besides capitulation. You look at what they did with the TPA and the TPP deal. That was a blatant attempt to make us think that they were going to you know, hold Obama accountable. Oh, you got to pass that TPA because otherwise we're not going to be able to see what's in the actual Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement when it was downstairs the entire time. 
And where have we seen it since? Where's been the vote on that? Where are the details on that? They all knew what the details were. They all knew it was going to pass. It had already a part of the TPA vote was to pass it automatically. It was gamesmanship and it was all capitulation. An article that and if you don't believe me, in fact, you know, many people don't necessarily agree with me. I've got some followers on Facebook who are telling me I just don't understand the, the machinations of what's going on in D.C., which and, and, you know, the Republican Party, part of their strategy has been to tell us that we just don't understand. You look at John Boehner, who came out and cry baby and, and basically said afterwards that he didn't he, first he said that he's accomplished so much of the conservative agenda well what exactly what he went on to brag on the day that he resigned he went on to brag and say that you know one of his accomplishments was all these great relationships he's developed over 25 years really that's your accomplishment you're the opposing party your achievement is not supposed to be reaching across the aisle to Maxine Waters for the past 25 years the woman who went to a mosque in Orange County and told Muslims that anybody who voted against Sharia was a bigot that's your accomplishment? Let's talk about your accomplishments. I'm going to list off 10 of his accomplishments recently because he likes to go around. Part of the strategy is to blame the Tea Party, to blame constituents within the party who just don't understand because we're just too stupid to understand civics. Yeah, we didn't listen to um, that after school special. Um, what was it? Something rocks. Schoolhouse rocks. Right. Here's, here's his accomplishments in terms of 10 times that he massively caved. He pushed through the Ryan Murray Budget Act, where in which he violated a central premise of the 2010 election cycle, which was when the Tea Party that he hates gave the House the majority. Uh, included in that deal uh, was throwing out the uh, initial agreement that people would have three days to read the legislation before a vote. It was passed within 36 hours. Uh, He blocked religious liberty legislation coming to the floor of the House. He pushed through. I've already talked about how he pushed through the TPA. In a backroom deal, he negotiated with Nancy Pelosi to increase the nation's debt by $500 billion with a massive increase to Medicare policy. In addition, he failed to uh, address the underlying problems in health care amendments. In 2014, he made a big show of being against executive amnesty, yet when the American people gave the majority to both houses— What did they do? The House, which has the power of the purse strings, funded Obama's executive amnesty. He's responsible for growing the nation's debt as much as as President Obama. We know how he raised the debt ceiling. We know how, as part of the TPA deal and TPP deal, that he voted to reauthorize the crony capitalist Export-Import Bank. I'm almost done. Against the objections of conservatives, he voted to push through the reauthorization of the No Child Left Behind Act. We need to abolish the Department of Education, not continue to give it more power. And what have they got going on as a part of that? That is what gave way to Common Core. And the last one I'm going to talk about is how he made a big show of defunding Planned Parenthood, but he wouldn't fight to stop the funding of it. Well, if you're going to fund it, then, you know, ultimately, by sending a bill... To President Obama that's going to continue to fund it, then you didn't really defund it. Again, it's gamesmanship, it's showmanship. At the end of the day, whether or not he wants to blame the Tea Party or anybody else, the end result is capitulation. Whether or not you've got a, you've got a conservative faction, there's no excuses. 
I don't accept excuses because I don't offer excuses. We're going to take a break and run a little bit behind. When we come back, we're going to talk to this top GOP strategist, and I'm going to pose the question to her whether or not I, I, I'm off my rocker about the GP having a strategy of capitulation. I'm also going to pose a question to her from one of the listeners, Don Sherman. So don't change that dial, folks, because this is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the Capitol City. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show I'm kind of liking that jam you know I told everybody last week I started the show by saying that I'm, I'm thinking about introducing a new song at the top of the show to lay under my intro and I asked for suggestions and that's a suggestion that came from Timothy Shea and that is hot stuff by the Rolling Stones. So, so far, I'm liking Hot Stuff by the Rolling Stones, and I'm still liking You Dropped the, the Bomb on Me. Speaking of dropping a bomb, I think I might have dropped a bomb on my next guest at the open of the show because I laid out a case that the Republican Party's strategy in terms of the leadership has been one of capitulation and surrender. And I don't know if my next guest is going to agree with me. She is someone who served time and worked in the White House. She's worked for Karl Rove, the architect, the one and the only. She's worked for K Street. She's a top strategist for the Republican Party. She's a brilliant business owner herself. She is Denise Gitsum. Welcome to the Andrea K Show, Denise. You're very kind. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on tonight. Okay, question for you. I don't know how much of my open that you heard, but I did lay out the case that many people believe, those of us who are conservatives, that... The leadership of the Republican Party, including but not limited to John Boehner, has been one of capitulation and surrender in terms of the key issues that are important to the conservatives. Is that true or are we just expecting too much from our leadership given the political climate today? You know, I think there's a lot of truth to everything. I heard about half of what you said at the very end and I thought it was a very strong case. And when you look at just what you laid out um, as far as what has, in fact, happened, those are all truths that you spoke. 
And I think if you look at it from the perspective of what a pure conservative agenda would look like, then all in all of the ways that you outlined so articulately, John Boehner clearly failed, and many of the leaders in the Republican Party clearly failed. But I think that the, the real issue that I'm concerned about is not so much on the substantive issues of what you mentioned, but rather the tone in which we express our dismay with these leaders and how we as a party, and the, as the Bible says, a house divided against itself cannot stand, how we as a party come together, not necessarily giving up our ideals, but finding where we can find compromise amongst ourselves, what we need to prioritize as far as what we really want to push through in Congress, what our agenda should be as a nation, what our vision should be focused on, and instead getting into situations where we look like we are the party of no, which doesn't play well to any any constituency. Well, and I, that's such good points. But conservatives then could say, well, you know what, Denise, we've tried compromise. And look where compromise is, has getting us. We're, we've got $17 trillion in debt. We've got a broken immigration system that, you know, President Reagan already compromised on many years ago. He gave amnesty in return for security at the border. We still haven't gotten that. The, the perspective of the voters is we've been willing to compromise, but what's ended up happening is that basically we've been giving in everything to, to the left. On top of that, it feels as though there's some issues that you just can't compromise on. For example, the funding of Planned Parenthood. And so at some point... And Obamacare, which was a handover of one-sixth of our entire economy. And as President Reagan predicted in 1964, he said that the Trojan horse to get socialism implemented in America would, would be through the health care system because it would be through the shame game of who can deny sick people health care. And so it seems as though I agree with you that we need to have, a, have a, some practicality and be pragmatic in terms of compromise. But it just feels like on the really big issues, we're not getting anything and they're getting everything. And I completely understand that. And I think that that message has been heard loud and clear, which is why you've seen the departure of John Boehner with a great deal of um, negative and positive fan for him. And it's interesting to see who's come out in sort of in favor of Boehner as the considerations of who might replace him have emerged. But I still think the issue for our party moving forward, if we're to be successful and have any chance, and again, I'm just thinking from a purely strategic perspective, having sort of seen it from both sides, my, I'm, a, I'm just a constituent now, right? I'm just a normal Joe Schmo who votes and is just a citizen. I'm no longer in any sort of establishment or non-establishment position of power to make any decision. And so I can see it as a taxpayer, and I understand what you're saying as a conservative because I am one as well. What I'm most concerned about from a strategic perspective is do we win the battle by airing our dirty laundry out in front of everyone to see and then lose the war? Because what we cannot afford to do is lose any more hearts and minds. San Diego is a great example of how our nation and our state, especially, has changed. We used to be a reliably Republican state, city. Mm-hmm. Now we're a third, a third, a third. People are starting to be turned off not by the substance of what we say as conservatives, because when we present those ideas articulately and with compassion and clarity, we always win. We are the party of ideas. But when we get stuck in these matches of trying to out-conservative each other, and don't think about our audience, we always lose. And that's why Congress has consistently had a 15% on average approval rating since 2010. Well, I think that's a good point because one of my my arguments has been is that that 
with few exceptions, when we started with 16 presidential candidates for this nomination, almost immediately it was infighting. Breaking Reagan's rule, which was you don't be shooting at each other, you know, from from within. Yeah, from within the tent. Only Cruz, I think, said, I am not going to fire back no matter what Trump says to me. I'm going to stay focused on the issues. And I think, you know, that's the right way to go. And people are defending Trump and saying, well, he doesn't attack anybody first. You know, he waits to be attacked. I don't necessarily know that I agree. For some reason, he continues to get away with it. And he continues to be able to cross lines of all uh, across. He seems to be the one. It's interesting because we're talking about needing to restore some civility in order to bridge the divide. And that was the question, actually, from Don Sherman. He, he, he posed the question mm-hmm. to you, Denise. Why are Americans so divided on major issues today? And how should the GOP attempt to uh, unite us? And it seems as though so far the answer to that question is, you know, changing, or, you know, explaining our positions from a place of civility and simply in a way that's respectful. But it's interesting because Trump is the opposite of that. And no matter what right. he seems to say, even criticize, he, yeah, yeah. he gets away with it. And he's got he's got Matt, he's got a 30 percent core or 25 percent of people. I can't remember the number today that are behind him, no matter what words come out of his mouth. And I really think it's because more people right now are really looking at results and they're just thinking we have got to shake things up. We have got to get somebody in there who actually can get something accomplished. And I'm just not sure if even he can, because from an instant, you know, can he actually accomplish the things that he's talking about doing? What's your perception on that from his immigration promises to today's uh, tax plan? I'm going to get into the details of the tax plan after the next break. But I want your perspective on, first of all, I want you to finish the answering that question about what, how mm-hmm. the GOP should attempt to, to unite within the party and outside and whether or not you think Trump can actually accomplish. You've been there. You've been inside. You've been in, you worked in the White House. Mm-hmm. Can he accomplish mm-hmm. what he thinks he can? So to answer your first question, I think that we need, uh, we as a party would probably benefit from something, something any first year law student learns. And I was, I was a law student, I was an attorney, um, which is when it comes to negotiation, it's more important to talk about principles than it is to talk about positions. When you start from a position of I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice, you automatically put somebody on the defensive or someone in your court further dividing. But when you talk about respect for the sanctity of life, and you start talking about the areas that we can all agree on with respect to whether it's women's health and the needs that we have in that area and being pro-child above and beyond just the birth and really, really focusing on issues that all of us can agree on short of the one issue that we may remain divided on, I think we'll find a lot more compromise. And I think compromise is an important word that we need to think about differently. I think that if it wasn't for compromise, we would not be able to have a democracy. And I think that's an awareness that we've lost. And so that's my answer. I hope that helps on the first question. But really returning to a principled perspective where we talk about what we believe in. And instead of starting from a positional place where we say we're putting something in the sand, a stake in the sand, and we're not going to move no matter what. That's a losing proposition that any attorney, any mediator would advocate against if they're good. And you see that playing out to the detriment of our society at large. Okay. In, so that, mm-hmm. in regards to last question, Trump. we've got about two minutes left. Yeah. Trump. Mm-hmm. So Trump is interesting. You know, I look at the things that our party, you know, had slammed Obama for, you know, lack of experience. Um, the things that they said about him that, you know, he was really just kind of showy, but had just never been and really never been tested. And when I think about Donald Trump, 
he's certainly been tested in the private um, in the private sphere, but has he ever really done anything that was anything other than purely self-serving in in the public sphere? And I. You know, I'm not against Donald Trump. I think that his tone is really divisive. I think that he does as many people as he rallies to his base, he turns against the party. And I think it's not because that he's a hateful person. I think that's an unfair statement about him. But I think that the way he comes across um, isn't really as sensitive as it might be if we're looking to win the hearts and minds of not just the base, the party loyal, but the folks that we need in order to be, be viable in the future as a party. And to be truthful, I think he's a lot of things he says about, you know, I'm the CEO and I'll hire the right team to get it done. He doesn't need to know all the details and everything. But there are certain things that I noticed in the last debate that concerned me about Donald Trump. Um, and that was above and beyond his tone, which I think is not befitting a leader, is very befitting an entertainer, not a leader. Um, I think that what I saw was a real lack of depth with respect to foreign policy. And I'm sure that's because he's focused so much of his life in private enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's just not in his wheelhouse. I think there needs to be a baseline of a lot more experience. Otherwise, we're really, what we're doing is we're buying into the hype instead of thinking about the things that really made and continue to make President Obama such a disaster. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that some people are starting to say as the, as the details of, of some of his policies and his plans come out, and I'm going to talk after the break, I'm going to talk in detail about his tax plan, as well as, as his plan or non-plan for Obamacare. Some people are saying, oh, I'm starting to get that same feeling about Obama, about him, that it's, you know, so much hopey changey and, you know, can, you know, it just sounds really great, but can he really deliver the goods and what is the goods he's going to deliver? So thank you so much for being on the show tonight. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, Denise. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. When we come back, what a lovely lady she is. It's so interesting to talk to somebody who's been on the side and get their perspective. When we come back, though, we're going to give some perspective to Trump's tax plan. We're going to get into some details of that. There's some things I like about it, some things that I don't. I'm also concerned about his Obamacare replacement strategy. we got some other things to talk about right here on the Andrea K Show, so don't change that dial, peeps. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533.
Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. No, that's not an option for <laughs> for an opening song because Andrea K don't tell any lies. In fact, I was very honored earlier because... Somebody suggested that I should be running for Barbara Boxer's seat. And I said, you know what? I am way too honest. I don't have enough of a filter. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know, parse every word and make sure that I say everything right on message in a way that's not going to offend. Um, I do think that Denise had some, she was on point in one way in terms of how to divide. I think we're absolutely right on the issues, but when we explain it in a way that includes labels that are like dog whistle labels, it really just stops the persuasiveness right there in its tracks. And I was reminded during the break of the 2012 Republican convention in which um, a, a gal spoke from Arizona. She was a Latina, and I don't remember her name. Somebody can maybe Google it for me, or maybe Todd can at some point during the show. But she told a story about how she came from a long line of Democrats, a family who were in law enforcement. I think she had been a sheriff or a police, a police officer, and her family owned restaurants and came here to this country from Mexico legally. And she said that she just thought she was a staunch, you know, diehard Democrat. And, but she agreed to go to lunch with some Republicans. And she said they only talked about the issues. And they never used terms like pro-life or pro-choice or, you know, the labels that we put on things. And they just talked about issues, not unlike the way Ben Carson did at the National Prayer Breakfast. And she said at the end of the lunch, she thought, oh, I'll be danged. I'm a Republican. Because she was spoken to in a way that just was about getting into the issues themselves in a way that was non-confrontational. We can learn from that. And so can our leaders, because when Boehner left office two days later and he attacked the Tea Party, it was all about the blame game, no responsibility, no accountability. He used really bombastic language against his own people. They've done nothing. McCain, Boehner and many of them within our own party can't speak badly enough about people in their own party while they praise uh, the wrong people like Maxine Waters. In fact, Boehner went on to say um, to criticize the Tea Party and talk about how they were false prophets because they were going around making promises that, that there was no way that they could fulfill, that they were absolutely unrealistic. And I say he was the false prophet because when the House couldn't get anything accomplished after the Tea Party, the very people he relegates against in the House, they, they made a lot of promises if, if we gave them the Senate. I want to give a hat tip to Alan Yates on Facebook because he posted the list from Conservative Review, which rates the Republicans. We got a whole lot of false prophets. We got a whole lot of Republicans. This is the list from the Senate who made a lot of promises to the people 
Obviously, Republicans voted for him because they thought these people were going to be at least partly Republican. And the list gives them the list, the percent gives them a grade based upon the percentage of times that they voted conservative. When you have a woman named Susan Collins who only voted with conservatives and Republicans 16 percent of the time, she needs to go ahead and change her party. Way too many. We only have five who voted. We have eight who voted 80 percent of the time and more. With conservatives. The only one who got 100% was Mike Lee. Cruz got 96%. Rand Paul, 93%. He's not getting near enough uh, press and near enough coverage. Marco Rubio, 80%. Tim Scott, 85%. Speaking of uh, getting back to Trump, getting into some specifics, big talk today about Trump's tax plan. There's many things that I like about it. We got $17 trillion in debt. One of the reasons why he's leading in the polls is because he's not parsing his words. He is using bombastic language because the American people have had enough. And they find that his candor, they find it refreshing. They find they find that he is speaking on be, on behalf of them. Timothy Shea mentioned a good point on Facebook. He said, you know, some of the, the rhetoric will become less contentious when they start fulfilling their job, when they start doing what they said that they were going to do. And that's why people are, Trump is resonating. Uh, so today he comes out with his tax plan, and here's some specifics on it. Basically, what he's saying he's going to do is give tax relief. He starts out by saying that we've got too many jobs have been shipped overseas, too many of the middle-class families can't get a break and make ends meet. That's all true. We all know what the problem is. You know, the diagnosis isn't the issue. The problem is, is we need a Republican candidate and, and a Congress that can know how to solve it. There's two real courses of action. Tom Del Beccaro is going to be on the show later. He's all about the flat tax, which would abolish the IRS and make things really simple and make sure that everybody's got skin in the game. Because one of the biggest issues we have as a country that the Democrats have done really well is they've expanded the dependency class, gotten people on the dole. We've got a sluggish, basically a, a regressive economy. If anything, and once you get people permanently on uh, as dependent, they're that way forever. And then it keeps them in power because they're going to vote for the people who are giving them the goods. What Trump is saying, his solution is to me, what I like about it is it does seem to have some elements that are going to attract jobs. Grover Norquist loves it. He says jobs, jobs, jobs. What I dislike about it is that immediately 73 million Americans will stop making any income tax payments of any kind. And he will basically increase the taxes. He's going to lower the fixed rate for the wealthiest of Americans, but he's going to do that in part by removing deductions that he had the nerve to say were unfair of them to have. I don't consider any deduction whatsoever with the IRS unfair for anybody to claim that is our money for him to even say that concerned me for a couple of reasons, because first of all, it's the mindset of liberalism. It's the mindset that that it's OK. It's income redistribution. You're going to have 73 million out of 300 million pay no taxes and you're going to increase the taxes on the people in the upper income areas. How was that not the same thing that the left has already been propagating to us? Will it work? Will it bring any increased jobs here? I'm not really sure. It's supposed to be net neutral because the way he's going to pay for the 73 million Americans who are going to no longer pay income taxes is he's going to pay for it by hitting up people with more money. He says that he's going to bring more jobs here because he's going to incentivize businesses to bring their money here and wealthy people to bring their 
money here, although he's going to hit him with a 10% tax. So I'm not really sure where the incentive is there. Although then he is going to lower the income tax rate for all corporations, which is good. At the end of the day, I think it's better than the tax plan that we have right now. I do think it's a little bit more simplified. I love the fact that he's going to get rid of the death tax because it's absolutely outrageous that anybody came up with the idea that after income, you've, you've property that you've already paid taxes on multiple times, depending on how you invested it and how you grew it and what, what happened with the money, that, that just because you died, that now that that's, that's the government's right to come and take that money. One of the things that Trump, two areas that the the Trump plan does not address that are still desperately needed to address is this. First of all, we have a real problem in this country, and Romney hit the nail on the head with it, to where we are approaching where we've got more takers than we have makers. And that problem is not solved by now having even fewer people with any skin in the game. And if you're going to have that many people with no skin in the game, then they should not have the right to vote because then they're going to be able to vote for benefits taken from the people who are the makers. The second thing is, when he talks about how he's going to pay for these tax breaks, he does not mention any reduction in government spending. You cannot talk to me about taxes and talk to me about income and talk to me about the economy and how you're going to, and how you're going to deal with $17 trillion in debt if you're not willing to address the issue of government spending. And he doesn't. So as of right now, I, I like it better than what we have but I, I really am not completely on board. In fact, I actually like Scott McKay's plan. He's a blogger out of Baton Rouge. He's from the Hayride. He says that, look, let's go to 12.5% flat rate, and you get to opt out on Social Security. You, st- you get to eliminate the corporate income tax rate altogether. And he says, eliminate all deductions except charitable. I say, also, you can't uh, remove the mortgage a deduction because nobody would be buying houses. You would absolutely cripple immediately cripple uh, the housing industry and you can't do that. Um, so I, I get that Trump is a brilliant businessman, but so far, uh, uh, you know, I'm not really digging uh, this plan because it doesn't address. Now, if he wants to talk about some other plans that he has to, you know, correct the mindset in terms of what we've got culturally, that was a really good question, actually, that was posed in the first debate. And I can't remember who asked it. It might have been Megyn Kelly. She asked somebody, how do you go to some... No, it was in the first debate, and it was Martha McCallum. Uh, It should have been posed to the top-tier candidates, but the question was, how do you go to somebody who's been on government assistance, and how do you incentivize them to get off of government assistance? And that's something else that's not addressed here. He's talking about having no taxes for somebody making $30,000. Well, people can make 60 something thousand dollars right now on the dole. So it's really lacking. Like so many, um, I'm not saying I'm off Trump, I, but I have not backed anybody yet. It's still, it's still not enough. It's not enough of an economic plan. It still has too many elements that are missing. And you guys can tell me if you think I'm wrong on that. Um, Want to shift gears a little bit. Oh, well, before I do that, because I wanted to talk about Romney, let me talk about another economic issue. One of the ways that the Republican Party, whether it's Trump or anybody else, needs to economically get their act together in terms of strategy and in terms how, of how they articulate themselves on the campaign trail is with Obamacare. It's not enough to say Romney proved. It ain't enough to say on day one, I'm going to repeal Obamacare. You got to say clearly, succinctly, 
in a way that people can understand with details that make sense exactly what you're going to replace it with. And Donald Trump went on 60 minutes. Nobody, by the way, nobody else has really given anything better. So this isn't just an attack on Trump. But he did like so many of them do. He talks about, oh, I'm going to get rid of state lines. Well, explain to the people how, exactly what that means to him. If you remove the restrictions of state lines and make it possible for insurance companies to sell everywhere, how in the world is that going to reduce cost to the average American person? You may think that that's not a, that's not a question that should have to be answered, but given the fact that it didn't help Romney when he said it, I think we got to come up with something better than that. All Trump really went on to say was basically he promised the same plan as Obama. He just didn't really say how he was going to do it. In fact, really what he went on to say was he was going to be the central power in Washington and he was going to go around and negotiate all these deals with hospitals, which is basically what the Obamacare exchanges were, only he's going to have more exchanges and, you know, more people in play. So, you know, really from a strategy standpoint, Maybe people aren't talking about it all day, every day right now with Obamacare, but this was a huge issue. This was why the Republican Party was given a majority. It was it was immigration, the executive order Obama did with amnesty, and it was Obamacare last fall. Republican Party, you need to come up with a plan that clearly explains to the people what you're going to do and why it's going to be better than Obamacare. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side. And we're going to talk about another issue. We're going to talk about illegal immigration. I want to hear your thoughts. Post them on Facebook or on Twitter, whether or not you think I'm wrong in my assessment of Trump's tax plan or the Republican Party or anything else. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show ooh good song I'm kind of liking that but that's not really probably very good for an open song a little too mellow yeah, yeah a little too mellow it's kind of dark though I kind of like that I'm in a bit of a dark mood tonight not really I'm actually having a good time tonight before the break we were talking about Trump's tax plan and I said that it didn't address a couple things the takers versus the makers mentality that we've got it doesn't address um, spending Timothy Shea says on Facebook that he actually did address spending I didn't see it in the specific tax plan if he mentioned it Timothy says he mentioned it in, in the form of waste not good enough again not enough specifics as I look at what what he talks about loopholes what which specific loopholes loopholes to special interest um, 
I'm really, I'm really, really this time around, like so many Americans really wanting to get down in the weeds and get down into some real specifics before I pull the trigger and vote for anybody. Because haven't we been had enough? I tell you who, who thinks they're trying to get us, but we're not fooled yet, at least many of us are not, is about Rubio and immigration. Um, Tea Party candidate, one in Florida, Got on board like so many of the Tea Party candidates that gets to D.C. They start whispering in his ear. And before he knows it, he's on that gang of eight. And he's pushing through amnesty and the DREAM Act and this and that. And uh, then he ends up getting a smackdown. And he supposedly comes out now that he's thrown his hat in the ring and says, look, I learned. We got it. We got to seal the border first. We can't be giving anybody amnesty. We can't be going this route. And then lo and behold, on September 21. I guess in an interview with Fox News, he says that with, with Hannity, that within 10 to 12 years, which would be after the U.S. foreign-born, thank you to Peggy for sending this to me, by the way, U.S. foreign-born population has swelled above 51 million people that you could have, he says, quote, you could have a broader debate about how this has worked out and should we allow some of them to apply for green cards and eventual citizenship? You know what you get with green cards? There it is. He's basically just wanting to, you know, get get his have his cake and eat it too, just down the road. Uh, the green card is where they get to collect welfare, Social Security, Medicare, become voting citizens. In fact, I guess he had used the word before as new Americans. That had been a term that no new Americans had been a term that Obama had used, and now Rubio's campaign is a new American century. Hmm, how how interesting that those two are together. He then supposedly went on and spoke in Spanish in a Spanish interview that actually back in in April 2015, in which he continued to support the DREAM Act. And the DREAM Act, as Senator Dick Durbin said, was designed to create a permanent loophole to U.S. borders that if parents can legally bring their children and the children become citizens, then the parents and other relatives can, too. Jeff Sessions said... And I want to end it with this. It cannot be the policy of the United States that any of the two billion people in the world who have yet to turn 18 have a right to legally enter the United States and claim residency. That's what Rubio supports, though. Rubio's dead to me. He's rising number four in the polls right now because he knows that he knows how to talk. You know, he should be down at Mossy Ford because that man can sell and he knows how to sell foreign policy because he, he knows it really well what's happening over there. But I cannot support Rubio. (laughs) I cannot support Rubio uh, for that reason alone. Because this is, this is the, California has become a permanent democratic state because of open borders. So goes California. That is the plan. Everything that the, that the Democrat Party is doing is about expanding the, the dependency class. That's the, for votes. That's the way they're going to get it. The Republican Party, I don't think, cares. I think they're lying. They, they know that they don't have a chance of ultimately, you know, getting a, a majority of those votes. They don't care as long as they continue to get their reelection. Look at Boehner. He's bragging about how he's been there for 25 years and his, and he's, his accomplishment is being buds with Maxine Waters. They, as long as they keep getting reelected, you know, they don't really care about where we're at. Fiorina, want to talk about her. Carson has now, according to NBC poll, Wall Street Journal poll, Carson has actually pulled neck and neck with Trump. I think one of the reasons is, is that he actually has the style that Denise was talking about earlier. He has a way of communicating issues in a way that's strong, yet still respectful, in a way that speaks through the heart to the American people. And he is the, he's the turtle, he's the tortoise in the race. Fiorina continues 
to gain ground as well. There's an article that's come out about her that involves her campaign contributions. I guess a PAC, and I don't really, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about campaign uh, finance laws and legislation. Alicia is going to be in after 9 o'clock. I think I'm going to pose this question to her. But I guess she was given over a million dollars. Her campaign was on life support. She wasn't even going to get anywhere near the JV stage for the debate until she got a million, over a million dollars in money from a pack that had originally been set up for Ted Cruz, but I guess ended up not really giving any money to Ted Cruz. And it went um, to Carly Fiorina. And of course, money is really where it's all about. And so with that money, she was able to give new life uh, to her campaign. So she's now under investigation. That investigation is probably going to be way stiffer uh, investigation than Hillary Clinton has seen for the emails. By the way, how in the world is that woman still walking around and not indicted? Want to talk today, shift gears. We've got about five minutes left in this hour before, before we go to Alicia. Can I say something about Ben Carson real quick? Yeah. He, that guy blinks. So he, he's the longest blinker I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's funny you should say that because Tanya Ryman, who is this body language expert who used to be on O'Reilly all the time, I saw her recently on another network and he, she was asked that question about him. And she's talked about how being a neurosurgeon and a scientist, um, the way their mind processes information, they're very calculated, they're very measured mm-hmm. and they, um, they're very contemplative. So when he clo- when he's blinking and he's closing his eyes, it's because he's he's concentrating and he's very contemplative and thoughtful. And it's a sign of honesty. Actually, hopefully he didn't was do the that end result. He was, hopefully, hopefully he wasn't doing that when he was doing brain surgery. <laughs> That's what I kept there. I know like, a guy that blinks that long with his eyes closed can't be operating on my brain. Are you kidding? It takes like two seconds to blink your eyes. Well, he takes like. Two minutes. Oh, well. Honestly, the first time I saw him on TV, I thought he was maybe blind. Are you serious? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's he's blind. Well, I'm sure he wasn't moving the scalpel at the time that he's got his eyes closed. <laughs> All right. Not. I tell you who's got interesting expressions is that man Putin. He's fascinating, isn't he? He's kind of his, his, his kind of stone cold. His face. He'd be a good poker player. Well, see, I actually, I actually find his facial expressions fascinating. Huh. I think he's got a sly grin about him. I think that his body language is fascinating and interesting to me, and very telling. Actually, I could do a whole, I could do a whole segment just on my observations of his body language. But I like speaking of language. I love the speech that he gave today at the United Nations. And to me, it was sad when I see the president of Russia, former head of the KGB, actually looking and sounding more American mm. than our own president. He t- one, what he said today was instead of the triumph, he was talking about the Middle East, Middle East, and blaming. Democratic revolutions, America, basically, for the rise of the global ambitious Islamic state, as he called it. He says, instead of the triumph of democracy and and progress, we got violence, poverty and social disaster. Well, of course, we got Islam and nobody cares a bit about human rights, including the right to life. Well, again, hello. What did we get there? Islam. That's what Islam is all about. He says, I cannot help asking those who have forced that situation. Do you realize what you have done? 
I thought, good grief, why haven't we had any Republican in, in, in Washington posing that question? But you know what? Yes, he does get what's been done because that's what his plan always was. It was never about Democrat reform. It was about taking down the strong men, the, one, the, the strong men who actually kept radical Islam in check and actually protected lives of ethnic minorities. They were taken down. So a vacuum was created. Money was actually given to the Muslim Brotherhood. And basically they enabled the rise of the Islamic State. And And now here we are, and Trump was right, here we are to where we've got Assad over there against ISIS, who we gave weapons to through Libya. And it's like, who do we help now? Who do we not? Well, do we trust that Putin's talking about wanting to go and take out terrorism, that that's what his big fight is? I'm with Trump at this point. We've just messed up that situation so much. Let Putin go in there. Let him take out ISIS. They're all evil as far as I'm concerned. How, how do we know who's who's less evil at this point? That That's that's not our, our, our problem to solve. And, you know, um, Obama said it would be a mistake to think that Syria could be stable under Assad. Well, but you know what? You had your chance to take him out when he crossed the red line and you didn't. Now what are we supposed to do? Um, you know, what I, I want to finish with this before we go to the break. Putin warned the international policy towards the region has led to an Islamic state and that to go that their plan is to go further than just simply dominating the Middle East. And that's right. Their plan is a worldwide caliphate. Everybody. Putin knows it. Why don't the American people know it? Why don't the Democrats know it? Why can we not even get a Republican candidate to say that the plan is the worldwide caliphate? Hey, we got to take a break. We come back. We're going to continue this on the other side. We're going to talk more about Putin. We're going to talk some economics. And we're going to have the Bellatrix business block with Alicia Dern and Tom Del Beccaro, who's going to be campaigning for Barbara Boxer's seat. This is the Andrea K Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Don't change that dial, folks. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome back to the Andrea K Show. This is hour two, and I am so happy because right now I have with me in the studio, finally, after many, many months, my partner in crime, Louie from St. Louis, Alicia Dern. Hey, Andrea, so glad to be back here. I know, right? I got a standing ovation. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost weird to have you in here because I'm actually going to be able to, like, hear you. Right. And not struggle to hear you because of the technology, just phone lines, and actually just get to see your lovely face. So how long are you going to be here in San Diego? I'm here until October 5th. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, Wish that I could have had you on the whole night tonight. I didn't even know you were necessarily going to be in town today, but you'll be back. Um, Before the break, here's what we talked about. And you can just like give us your Reader's Digest condensed version of what you think about it. We talked about uh, Trump's tax plan. Right. I don't know if you're up on that. We talked about Fiorina's in a little bit of hot water under investigation for some campaign finance. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I certainly yeah. have thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you might want to research that and call mm-hmm. in next time. She's under sure. investigation because a pack that supposedly was set up um, in support of Ted Cruz, but he had no involvement in and they didn't give him any money, supposedly sent her over a million dollars. And so she's under investigation and basically gave her life support. and She wouldn't be where she is now without it. Mm. I don't know that I necessarily care, except that if people gave money thinking it was going to cruise, how do, is it? A, how do they feel about or is it legal for that money to go to her? I can answer that question for you. 
So a PAC uh, is not coordinated with the candidates. And so uh, Ted Cruz wouldn't have any control over that. Neither would uh, Carly Fiorina. The PAC itself is a its own fi- organization, and they can choose to spend the money how they wanted to spend it. Okay. Um, so there may be some questions with uh, the donors uh, against the PAC, but that ne- wouldn't necessarily be liability for Carly Fiorina. Okay. If she took money from a PAC, however, that is illegal. That's an illegal campaign contribution. So they may have supported her without her coordination. Okay. Um, that's legal. But if she took money, then that's a felony. Well, I'm, well, I'm confused because if they gave a million and a half dollars to her campaign, isn't that a contribution? How yeah, do you give they, money? That's to- what they did. Okay. So, so what PACs do is that they buy uh, advertising and they, um, you know, go out and do campaigning on for a candidate or a, uh, that they support but they're not allowed to coordinate that effort with the effort of the gotcha. candidates. Gotcha. Okay. Trump's tax plan. Here's the, some of my concerns about it. I don't know if you're that familiar with it. It's just came out today and you're busy. Uh, 73 million Americans now will suddenly not have to pay any income tax whatsoever. And they'll get a one sheet form where he says, basically they'll get to say, I win to the IRS. <laughs> and um, it's going to be graduated with, even still a lower percentage to the higher income people, but they're going to give up basically all of their deductions. He says right. they'll ultimately end up winning because it's going to stimulate the economy so much that right. they'll end up doing better. My take on it is, in a nutshell, in summary, is that it's still income redistribution. You, it, you're going to now it's even worse because you've got even more people that are taking and relying uh, from the makers, more takers than makers. And he's and he talks about how he's going to pay for that tax. Um, loss of revenue to the government by stimulating the economy. He will remove the in, uh, corporate income tax mm-hmm. uh, for all businesses across the board. That's great. So there's things I like about it and things that I don't. What are well, your thoughts? Well, the the bottom portion of the, of the citizenry are not paying taxes already. Mm-hmm. And so we might as well just accept that they're already, uh, if you make a certain amount of money, you don't even have to file taxes already. Um, What that does is it closes loopholes for people who um, are getting handouts from the government by being um, more favored groups or whatever. Um, I like closing the loopholes of taxes. I think we should just reduce taxes for everybody. Uh, We do know that economically that there's a a most efficient tax rate that's somewhere around 17 percent and that that amount is the amount that uh, creates the most revenue for the government because that – stimulates the economy the most, and that's where um, everybody's paying the, the most amount of uh, money to the government. When you raise taxes, you actually end up getting less revenue to the government. So right. reducing them isn't necessarily going to cost us money, and reducing the corporate income tax, that's just a double taxation on all income. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. off of that. My my yeah. idea is that I think that it's it's still an income redistribution scheme, and I think that everybody should have skin in the game. I think that it, it makes you a better citizen and it makes you going to vote differently because you ha- you do have skin in the game. And I think that if you're out there, you know, the, the left says to the rich people, well, that business, you didn't make that business. You drove across the roads. Well, you know, at least they're paying for those roads where you've got a large percentage of Americans aren't. Right. And so I say you do call it a consumption tax, do it yeah. instead of income tax, just, to, you know, might be another way to do it. And the benefit of the flat tax would be to abolish the IRS, which is the most tyrannical right. uh, department that we have and that is just wreaking havoc on the lives of many Americans. So to me, that would be a better solution. Yeah. We only have I've, a few minutes before we go to the, go to the break. Okay. Uh, I agree. I, I'm in favor of a fair tax or a flat tax 
But if we have to stick with a graduated income tax, at least we can simplify it and make it fair. Right. That was kind of my my overall take as well, because for some reason, people can't seem to get on board with a flat or a fair tax and abolish the IRS. I don't understand why. Um, if you're just tuning in, by the way, you're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer, and I'm here talking to Alicia Dern. And VW, I hear the other day, oh, VW was busted because <laughs> they were doing some shenanigans with their yes. with their EPA, their um, emissions testing or whatever. And, you know, I'm not really sure what the big crime is with that because, you know, I'm not really one of these climate change people. Um, and then I read that GM only paid like 900 a million dollars or something and lives were lost but these vw had to pay 18 billion dollars in fines over some emissions Mm -hmm. and people were like well that's not even the whole story Mm -hmm. there's like some shady stuff that's gone down even more what's what's the situation with vw well vw they uh they purposely set uh their technology so that when uh the car was being tested for emissions that it was uh, producing lower emissions than when the car was driving. And so it, it would click out of that testing mode when it was driving, it would have a higher emission. So it was a straight up fraud on the consumer, not just on the government who's who are rating things, but the consumers who personally pur- purposely buy cars for lower emissions. Um, there oh, yeah, are taxes you go. related to that. Yeah, because you go there and you see the sticker and it tells you people make their purchasing decisions on the basis of that. Oh, this right. gets 35 miles per gallon or whatever. Right. And this was done at a high level. So, they, you know, executives at GM knew that this was going on and they got away with it for a few years. And it's not surprising to me that when they got caught that they would be heavily fined, um, not only by the EPA, but I would also think the FTC. I think uh, it, there are multiple government agencies, not only in the U.S., but in Europe, who would be looking at this. And I and there are class actions already in development. I mean, lawyers are just licking their chops at what the consumers can get back as far as refunds for being misled. Mm-hmm. But eighteen billion dollars—it's <laughs> a lot. That's eighteen to... billion dollars. I'm wondering if that's right or not. Somebody needs to be googling de- that. You know, it, it, it depends on how much money they made as a result of their uh, misrepresentation. Then you have to say, okay, what was their unjust enrichment there? Um, you know, yes, there are some things that people get more outraged than others. I mean, I certainly would be concerned about any safety lies or anything else that we we would see with with big corporations and you do see stuff like that, but that's why we do have the class action mechanism. Yeah. Rand Paul is one of the top three or four senators in terms of voting, Mm -hmm. shifting gears back to politics, by the way, (laughs) in case you didn't notice, Uh, but you're here, you're my libertarian analyst. Why is he not resonating more? Conservatives are complaining that we're not getting enough true conservative conservatism going on in government. Conservative Review listed the senators in terms of how they voted along conservative lines. He was like the top three. 93% he's voting conservative. Why is he not tied with Trump or leading? Well, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about libertarians among the average voters. And I think that's part of the problem is that there's this idea that libertarians are not going to be uh, interested in protecting the United States, that they're just isolationists. That's not true. It's definitely not true about Rand Paul, who wants to have a strong uh, policy with respect to Israel. So I think that's part of it. I think that there's this idea that libertarians are all just about, you know, legalizing marijuana. And when the reality is that libertarians are about federalism and keeping the government small and non-intrusive and looking at things like the drug war and how that's impacting um, all of our policy in a negative way and costing us a lot of money when that's not necessarily very efficacious. So when the media only plays up those items about libertarians, 
then that, you know, it's just a persistent misperception, uh, misperception of what libertarians are about. You know, Rand Paul is still a Republican. He's, you know, but mm-hmm. he's just got some libertarian philosophical underpinnings. But he's, you know, he's really sidelined by the by the media and by mm-hmm. the Republican Party because yeah. he's not on board with their big government agenda. Right. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing him back up and throwing that name back out there is because I have not backed anybody in the particular race. Um, I've been saying for a while, I like some things with different candidates, including Trump, but I wanted to see some specifics from him when he talked about what he would replace Obamacare with. It was a lot of big government. Right. You know, I'm not hearing about in his tax plan. One of the areas he didn't address, Alicia, was government spending and waste. Right. He didn't talk about one department that he was going to get rid of. Right. You know, he didn't talk about, you know, really anything other than, you know, really an overly simplified tax plan, which is great. Right. You know, it's better than what we have right now. Right. But there's still big areas that he hasn't addressed. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm still looking around at everybody else. We have what is it? 18 trillion now, the debt. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous how we are mortgaging this country's economic future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, only I think only libertarians and, and, and a few conservatives are really talking about how dangerous this is. It's not only dangerous for our children, it's dangerous for us on the world stage because mm-hmm. now we, we owe a lot of money to investors in China. We're, we can't have a strong foreign policy with respect to, you know, Saudi Arabia. And it's mm-hmm. dangerous for us. And yet mm-hmm. we continue to do it. Mm-hmm. The dollar is losing ground. Mm hmm. Right. And and one of the things that I do like what he talked about, though, was reducing the corporate uh, tax rate because across the board and not even just for big corporations, because small business really is the lifeblood of the American economy. That's really what drives all the jobs Mm -hmm. in this country. And that's one reason why I love every week doing the Bellatrix business block with you, getting to feature local San Diego business. And speaking of stages, we've got a fun business to talk to you guys about when we come back from the break. Because we are going to talk to Style Sorbet when we come back from the break. Because it's Fashion Week here in San Diego, right, ladies? Yeah. So, hey, don't change that dial. We're going to have some fun. We're going to shift gears a little bit from the heavy talk. And we're going to talk about fun and fashion. And then we'll get back to some heavy stuff after that. But, hey, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. One of the hardest things to find may be an auto repair shop you can trust. And that's why so many people bring their vehicles to Tau Auto Repair. I've been going there for at least six years. Lee is the owner. He's always very upfront on what needs to be done, what kind of stuff can wait. I mean, I wouldn't take my cars anywhere else. You don't go back to a place for almost three decades if they're not honest. Let's face it. Everything's always been done right. And after going back so many times, you know, I trust them explicitly. They're not there to run the tab up. When you go to Tau, Lee gets the job done right, he gets it done at a good price, and he gets it done quickly, and you can't ask for anything better than that. For trustworthy and honest auto repair, take your vehicle to Tau. That's T-H-A-O. Tau Auto Repair on El Cajon Boulevard between the 805 and 15 Freeway in San Diego. Call 619-640-4606. That's 619-640-4606. Always a great experience with everybody that works there across the board. Tau Auto Repair. 619-640-4606. 
Stop throwing money away. Our utility rates are among the highest in the U.S. Heating and air conditioning equipment that is not well-maintained or improperly tuned can lead to health problems and cause your equipment to overwork, leading to the deterioration of your system and higher utility costs. From the first time you turn on the heat till the last time you use the A.C., Jackson and Foster Heating and Air keeps you comfortable and saves you money. 24-hour emergency service on every major brand, and they do plumbing, too. Call Jackson and Foster Heating and Air for a home comfort system safety inspection and cleaning or find out how they can install a new top-of-the-line gas furnace for as low as $25 a month. Jackson and Foster Heating and Air, A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and winner of the AC Contractor of the Year Award. Call 619-667-4328-619-667-4328-619-667-4328. Our family serving your family since 1931. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Having a great time tonight. I'm especially happy tonight because I got my buddy Alicia Dern from Bellatrix Law in here with me tonight. And she has brought in for the Bellatrix Business Block tonight a fabulous gal, Leilani Angel, who's from Style Sorbet. It is Fashion Week here in San Diego. There's lots of fashion going on. People don't think of San Diego as a town for fashion, but we actually have a lot of fashion. We have designers here. We have the fashion design and fashion merchandising. Don't we have FDIM here in San Diego? We do. We have FITM. We have AI. We've got great programs at Palomar and Mesa College. So over the years, uh, the fashion industry has really grown tremendously, not only fashion, but beauty and modeling along with it. So... San Diego is definitely a destination point for the industry, uh, unlike in previous years. So it's exciting to see the growth of the industry and be a part of that. Yeah. Well, how did you get started in it? And tell us about Style Sorbet. Um, well, I've actually been involved with Fashion Week San Diego for quite a few years um, in different capacities, different roles. I participated on the beauty team as a consultant for many years, doing a lot of their special events and community outreach, getting the word out there, connecting with designers, um, other industry professionals, fashion stylists, fashion photographers. And um, I began doing the runway training this past year. Um, my experience is in fashion, beauty, and modeling from ever since I can remember. I've been involved in this crazy, exciting, exhilarating industry. And um, they needed someone to come on in to coach the girls, and that was something that I specialized in. And so I've been working with all of them over the past year, doing runway development workshops with the guys and the girls, getting the runway ready. And um, it's been a year in the making, and this is the big week. So we're, wow. we're very excited yeah. to, um, to be a part of it. So you said you've been uh, involved with Fashion Week for four years now? Is that yes, right? four so years. So that was a pretty quick rise uh, to uh, the runway coach. It's been a whirlwind adventure. Um, I was very excited to do many different roles, wear many different hats, whatever they needed. I um, am a huge fan of what Fashion Week is all about, what they're doing for the industry, for the emerging artists in San Diego. Um, so I'm happy to help in any capacity, and being the runway coach is definitely an honor this year. So when you're uh, not busy with Fashion Week, which I'm, is, isn't all year, <laughs> um, what, what else do you guys do with uh, Style Sorbet? Uh, with Style Sorbet, I focus on development workshops for the modeling, beauty, and fashion industry. Right now, I am working on my pop-up modeling workshop, so I actually travel around town and pop up with my little workshop, Mm -hmm. and it's a five-week workshop that really consists of the basics of what you need to get started in the modeling industry. It gives you a foundation of what the industry is all about. One of the things I noticed when looking at uh, the description for the event was that it was in unusual venues, and it was priced really low, and uh, I'd like you to explain why, why you made that choice as a business. 
Well, I liked the idea of traveling around and really bringing my business to different parts of San Diego for maybe people that wouldn't necessarily have had the opportunity to travel to various parts of town to obtain training. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the industry ever since I could walk. Uh, I grew up in the industry, both on the runway and behind the runway. So I really wanted to be able to share my personal information and knowledge with people in the industry that were looking into getting into modeling. Um, And not just with aspirations of necessarily being a model. I cater to people that just want to have those skills under their belt. And that can be applicable in any field. The skills that they'll learn in the development workshops can carry through with them to any industry. I'm so so glad you mentioned that because, I mean, you're a lawyer, Alicia. I'm sure you know that, you know, how you carry yourself. Right. Your style, especially when you're in the courtroom, it just, it, it affects Probably so much, but I know it does in the corporate world as well. Right. When I was in the military, it was called military bearing, how Mm -hmm. you present yourself. People do uh, react to you differently. And so, I mean, I I understand it's sort of the skills that you're teaching to these women is is how to present themselves, how to hold themselves and be confident. Absolutely. It definitely helps with your self-esteem. And I believe every woman out there should be able to rock a a runway at one point in her life. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I'm ever going to be rocking a runway. (laughs) If you can do that. We're a little too short for that, Alicia. I'm I'm 5'2". How tall are you? I'm 5'5". And I'm like the tallest woman in my family. (laughs) Well, I feel if you have the confidence to strut your stuff on a catwalk, you can use that confidence in any capacity. You can use that in a boardroom. You can use it in a courtroom. You can use it for any industry. You know, we Mm -hmm. talked a little bit before on the show about lean in and, and, you know, the war on women and all that kind of stuff. And I really like this idea, this approach to helping women have confidence instead of just telling them that they're victims in the world. Actually, it's better to have to tell them you can do it. You can have confidence and, and nothing should hold you back from your dreams. Absolutely. And what I really teach in all of my workshops is really rocking who you are to the best of your ability. So no matter what industry you're interested in or what facet of the modeling industry that you fit into, be who you are and let that version of yourself shine to the best of your capacity and go ahead and jump on into a style survey workshop and I can help you figure all that out. (laughs) So I know, you know, we're mostly talking about women. I know you do uh, coach men as well. But I think that there's something cool about our femininity, too, and, and being able to, to rock that and be comfortable in our skin as women. Definitely. So, you know, you told me the story about a little girl who'd come uh, to one of your workshops. Can you share that with the audience? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I think of her all the time. Um, she was involved in, a, in my particular workshop because her she was being raised by a single dad. And Aww. at the end of our workshop, he came up to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, you know, By the time she hit junior high, I didn't know what to do with her. I didn't know how to help her shop for her clothes. I didn't know if her makeup was appropriate. So thank you so much for being that role model for my daughter so she can confidently, you know, step into this next phase of her life and have those skills under her belt. And I think about that every time I start a new workshop because, granted, not everyone is going to have aspirations of being, you know, the next big model in the industry, but... That's that's why I do what I do. I'm working for the people that want to get into the industry, and then I'm working for people that just want to know how to properly do their makeup, how to mm-hmm. properly learn how to dress for their body shape, what haircuts and colors are best suited for their shape of face and their coloring, and um, you know how to properly take a photo and walk with confidence down the runway. Right. <laughs> and hopefully maybe that confidence and that sophistication that I'm assuming that you bring 
what I see with you, your sophistication and your class and your beauty, I'm assuming that that's what you teach others <laughs> and that they will take that then to their social media and maybe think a little bit about how they present themselves to the world because that's really um, an, um, presenting themselves in a bad way seems to be kind of the, the de rigor with young girls yeah. today. And I think that this can help them in every aspect uh, aspect of their lives. I actually have one day of the workshop dedicated just to etiquette. So we talk about that visual etiquette, verbal etiquette, web etiquette, which is certainly big in That's you know great. the millennial generation, mm-hmm. Generation Z <laughs> coming up as well. And um, really learning how to be that, that full package. So right. learning how to put your best foot forward in every capacity. Yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, exactly Emily Post, but I have noticed that with some of my younger employees that I have to teach them, you know, business etiquette and how to to communicate with people because you get much more respect when you treat other people with respect and you treat yourself with respect. And you get taken seriously as well, and everyone wants to be taken seriously. So I do focus heavily on etiquette. I think it's something that um, we need to have in every single industry out there. Right. I definitely agree with that. You know, if this shouldn't be the next generation, shouldn't be the generation of just the selfies. And I've, I've actually read that it's becoming difficult for some young people to get jobs because of the amount of stuff that they have, like on Facebook. <laughs> and, you know, like the pictures of them getting drunk at a frat party, that stuff mm-hmm. sticks with you. And I can tell you as an employer um, and as a lawyer who represents employers that people actually do background searches and they see that stuff. And so, you know, it's it's not doing anybody any favors to to for young women to present themselves that way. Yeah, I'm so excited about this because, you know, I grew up in the South where we used to have etiquette classes and, and they would teach us all this. And, and, you know, it really did go a long way in terms of preparing you for adulthood and how to present yourself, whatever career you wanted to go into. And so my hat's off to you for what was the inspiration for this? Um, honestly, I have just been in this industry my entire life. Uh, my mom was a professional model. So growing up, mm-hmm. you know, every day after school, I was her dresser, her assistant, carrying on a shoe bag. She got into the fashion industry. So I literally grew up behind the industry. And I wanted to be able to offer a true testimony as to what the industry was all about from my firsthand knowledge of it. I went through different training programs myself. I had several different coaches in the industry and I wanted to be able to bring something different to the table to let people know what it's really like backstage, what it's really like at an audition, or what etiquette truly is for hiring perspectives. Right. So when is your next pop-up workshop? Um, actually, it's going to be at Shimmer in the Plaza Bonita Mall on Saturday, October 10th from 10 to 12. How can uh, people sign themselves or their daughters or their sisters or mothers up for it? Uh, there is a link on my website. So at stylesorbet.com under the events tab, there's an Eventbrite link there to, to go ahead and get yourself signed up. And we do have a few spaces available. Okay, good. Style Sorbet, right? Style Sorbet. And uh, I do bring in industry professionals as well. So they're able to meet with fashion photographers, makeup artists in the industry. So they're learning from firsthand from real life industry professionals. Thank you, Leilani. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I'm glad to see uh, women having alternatives uh, here and and, uh, ways to enhance their career besides, you know, the selfies. (laughs) 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 But, but, you know, I know we focused on that, but I think that, uh, you know, bearing and, and etiquette really is something that's important for women as well as confidence. 
Oh, it's huge. It's And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I'm so inspired now. I know. Now I'm I feeling bad go. about the way I dressed. I'm like, dang it, I should have oh, no. dressed better with Leilani coming in. I, I need a workshop. class myself. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, maybe I could figure out how to be a little less futzy. <laughs> no. Oh, well, thanks for coming in. It was a hey. pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for having me, ladies. Oh, wonderful. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Tom Del Bacaro, who's running to replace Barbara Boxer in her seat. Thanks for listening, guys. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. House cleaning days are set aside for you to clean, but have you ever not wanted to? Especially the windows. If you're anything like me, I would rather do light cleaning throughout the week and on my weekends, just relax and spend time with my family. Window cleaning can be strenuous because of the hard-to-reach places inside and outside the house. That's why I trust Wonder Window Cleaning Company. They help me make it easier for myself and get the job done right. Not only are they insured and licensed, but they respect our home and belongings and always use extra caution when working inside the house. The quality of the service is just different. In the end, life isn't about cleaning. It's about enjoying every second. Let Wonder Window Cleaning Company help you get your house looking clean, fresh, and beautiful without having to do it yourself. Get your windows clean today by going to crazypricemall.com. That's crazypricemall.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. We're rolling on. We got about 30 more minutes or so before we wrap it up for tonight. I just had so much fun talking to Leilani because I love this idea. You guys know how much I talk about culture and I talk about, you know, a restoration of, of traditional America and things that are just important to me and in all kinds of aspects of American life. And we just really lost our way in terms of, in, in, in some aspects, uh, ladies have uh, with, you know, how I've talked about reality TV and all that kind of stuff. And I just love what she's doing and how she's empowering young women to whether they want to go into the modeling or, or industry or not. So I encourage everybody who's in San Diego to take her workshop if, or sign up if you've got a daughter or a niece or, or yourself. Learn some etiquette. Learn how to present yourself because, trust me, that will go a long way. I've hired a lot of people in my day. And how you put yourself out there is how you want to be perceived. So definitely check out 
uh, style sorbet. I tell you who I checked out the other day. I had an amazing opportunity to talk to Tom Del Beccaro, former chairman of the California Republican Party. He is an attorney. He is author of The Divided Era, about how we got here and the keys to America's reconciliation. He is running to replace Barbara Boxer, and he talks about a few. I had him in the other day and had a chance to talk to him. He says that that where the Republican Party has gone wrong is that, that they don't know how to share big ideas, and they don't know how to articulate them in a way that really speaks to everybody, and they certainly don't know how to articulate the value of the free enterprise system. And so I was just thrilled to have an opportunity to talk to him. Uh, I split it up into, into two because I could just talk to this guy all day long. So here's part one of my interview with Tom Del Beccaro, in which he talks about the flat tax, which is an alternative to Trump's plan we talked about today. He talks about water policies. We had a, we woke up the other day, found out this lake was completely dried up overnight. We have a water problem in California. He talks about that. And he talks about the immigration crisis. So this is part one of my interview with Tom Del Beccaro. Longtime KCBQ listeners, you know who my next guest is. For nine years, he's been filling in every Friday for Mark Larson, but score one for the Andrea K Show today because none other than Tom Del Beccaro is on the Andrea K Show. Welcome to the Andrea K Show, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, well, thanks for being here in San Diego. Oh, good. I love coming down to San Diego often as I can. Like I said to you off the air, if I could start it all over again in my career, I would have started it here in sunny San Diego. Yeah, well, we always made mistakes when we were young and dumb, right? <laughs> exactly. Now I'm just, never mind. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is that so many people like myself are so caught up with the race for the GOP nomination for 2016 that we forget about the congressional seats, except maybe some people are like focused on, you know, the... Is there a president's race going on? Oh, yeah. I didn't notice. Dang. You know, maybe Melissa over there will get you up to speed there you on go. that. She's awesome. Um, but people are so focused on that. They forget about the congressional races that are going on. And I'm guilty myself of forgetting about the fact that we've got a seat here that's that's coming open. Open and, boxers retiring yeah. and a huge number of Californians are undecided because Kamala Harris is not even a favorite among Democrats. Sure, she's the favorite Democrat right now, but there's a lot of Democrats don't like her. The field poll had over 60 percent undecided. The recent L.A. Times poll showed 25 percent undecided. Even if you did a, a, a average of those two, that's 40 40 percent of the people who aren't sure about her. Mm-hmm. And this gives an opening to a good candidate. Why run? I mean, politics, I ain't, I don't have to tell you, former chairman of the Republican Party for California, it's a dog-eat-dog business. Now, you as an attorney are familiar with that. I mean, yeah, that's your, that's your industry. Sh- that's your game. That's shark-eat-shark shark industry. That's, that's right. But, but really, why, why do this? Well, I'm part of a larger effort, actually, to bring a flat tax to the nation, and that's the number one issue I'm running on, a flat tax. In fact, this week, next week, Stephen Moore of Heritage is coming out to campaign for me in California as we roll out my flat tax. So I think campaigns should be about big ideas. Mm-hmm. It's ideas that inspire people. America mm-hmm. is an idea and that inspires people. So I'm running on ideas that and an alternative to our wasteful, ruinous water policies that the Sacramento and the Water Resources Control Board have given us. But overall, I'm tired of Republicans who don't run on big ideas. Democrats, for sure. I'm tired of that. Mm-hmm. But politicians who don't run on big ideas and aren't articulate enough to say to people why the free enterprise system works. And so when you add all that up together, I want a, uh, a clear voice on these issues. And if we provide voters with a choice, and that's what's key here, you need a candidate 
that provides voters with a choice. The Democrats will vote Democrat if we don't give them a reason to vote otherwise, and that's what I want to do. Well, how do you give them a reason when conservatism has been painted with such a negative brush that we want everybody to drink brown water and we don't care about brown people and we're really just a bunch of rich, you know, elitists who don't care about anybody? How can a conservative win in California? By actually talking policy in a practical way. And it's not a good idea, like you say, especially in a state like this, to say that they're good and or they're bad and we're good, because that's not going to change people's lives and motivate them. Nor can you give a copycat uh, candidate. Well, I'm just like them. So go for me. What you got to do is give people a practical solution. The water issue is a once in a generation issue. I'm fond of saying this is the prop 13 of our generation. It's the government that has messed this up and it can be fixed. How so? Back that up. First of all, let's back up. How did the government create this issue? Well, we have a man-made water crisis. There's actually enough water that falls, but they mismanage it. So 50% goes out to the ocean, and they're not working on new supplies. We don't need that much to go out to the ocean. And there are simple, stunningly simple fixes to this. Keep in mind that... Water use, residential water use, is somewhere between 10 and 14 percent statewide residential, right? Their rationing and fining program wants us to cut back about 30 some percent. Even San Diego County, which is a good steward of its water, the uh, Daily Ud, as Mark likes to call it, uh, just did an op-ed or a week ago did an op-ed on why it's a one size fits all. I was just in Palm Desert. They have 100 years of water because they manage it well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the fining rationing program wants to bring water residential use down by about a third. So maybe that's what, 7 to 10 percent. But did you know, fond of saying, did you know that the municipal water districts all over the state on average waste over 10 percent of all water in California? A government waste resources? There you go. And there's no program to fix those. There's a program to regulate all the groundwater Mm -hmm. and control that. There's a program to control you, but not to fix those pipes. And remember, we're number one in the country in poverty. Mm -hmm. And that's because we have super high unemployment. A lot of that brought on by what I call water unemployment. Mm -hmm. Why don't we put people to work in shovel-ready jobs to fix all those municipal pipes? If we had a program for that, not only would it get people off public assistance and working, it would also help solve the crisis. Because remember, even if government's only half effective on fixing the pipes, mm-hmm. it would be about the same as their rationing goals. But the Republicans are going to say, but Tom, those those jobs aren't free. That's that's an expensive, big government solution you've just come up with. No, because it's the individual municipal uh, water districts that have to maintain their own pipes. They're supposed to have a capital improvement program, and that's built into the water rates. And by the way, That's okay because we as Republicans believe in user fees as opposed to general taxes. So we're for small individual municipalities governing those kind of things. The Democrats, by the way, who want to nationalize that and sort of take control over this and consolidate them. Mm -hmm. We don't want that because that's just one step closer to them governing where the water goes. You know why San Diego should be against this rationing program and and even though you have enough water and why Palm Springs, because they're coming for your water. Mm-hmm. They want to redistribute your water 
to L.A. because L.A. isn't a good steward of its water. In fact, L.A. has one point six billion dollars worth of capital improvements to pipelines, which they should be undertaking. But they're not mm-hmm. because they don't. It, there's no pressure to do that. There how do you make be. how do you make this issue relevant to I mean, I don't know that pe- that many people consider that a kitchen table issue. You know, I've traveled the state. I've done over 1,200 events in the last 15 years around this state. For In San Diego, because you're a good steward of water, it isn't as pressing an issue, but it is. You have a great desal plant that's about to open up mm-hmm. in Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. You're proactive. a lot. But if you're in the Central Valley, and I've done over 130 events in the Central Valley over the years, there's still towns with 130, I'm sorry, 30% unemployment. Mm-hmm. This is a vital every moment issue for them. If you visit the far north, and I've done many events up there where the logging industry has an answer to this as well, they would like to implement healthy forest practices. Our forests aren't healthy. You've seen all the wire fire, wild (laughs) fires, right? That is because they're overgrown and and the National Forest Service Mm -hmm. allows them to be overgrown and in fact makes it impossible to thin them out. So we're creating tinderboxes, but if we did thin them out to healthy levels, and what I mean by that is if you have too many trees growing close together, they're thin and unhealthy because they're competing for water, right. nutrients, and light. Right. If we thinned them out, the trees would go wider, but it also would result in massive additional runoff. Mm-hmm. Enough, some log, uh, logging industries will tell you, to help feed the Central Valley for a year. So... Around the state, this is a bigger issue than in San Diego mm-hmm. because you've been doing a good job of it. Yeah, in San Diego, I think I hear more issues involving the border. So, and and nationally and everywhere, everybody's talking about sanctuary cities. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about that. Well, you know, I'm firmly against sanctuary cities. The Steinle killing, which she was a, uh, a resident near where I am, I mm-hmm. came out firmly against it. My opponent down here is not. He's pro-sanctuary city. In fact, when the Trust Me Act came on statewide trust we actually have a sanctuary state mm-hmm. called the trust me act and rocky chavez refused to even vote he voted present he didn't okay. stand up against it but sanctuary cities are wrong i'm for local control but when the federal government has an existing law you don't get to say we're not going to enforce the existing law mm-hmm. i was the first in the nation to call for the resignation of the san francisco sheriff who had cut off any communication with the federal government, Mm -hmm. all he had to do is say, hey, this is about to happen. But they are so obsessed with it up there. And this is a big problem for Kamala Harris. So I'm the only candidate running out of all the five major candidates that has spoken out against sanctuary cities. And I can talk to you about my four four point immigration plan. But we need to be proactive on this and we can't accept sanctuary cities. What is your four point plan on immigration because I'm hoping that step one is secure the border period because I'm not really and I think that a lot of the people my listeners say I'm not really interested in step two three and four if step one is not secure the border period I actually have a step before securing the border and that is getting America on the side of wanting to secure the border so let me give you an example of how this works you remember the Planned Parenthood videos yeah why did they change the discussion we are visual human beings right the mm-hmm. videos made it clear to people mm-hmm. Republicans in Washington actually Washington altogether shocker they're not fixing it right omnibus legislation equals no legislation because there's so many special interests involved 
So I think, and I wrote about this two years ago in Forbes, that Republicans should leave Washington, D.C. They should have a massive summit in Arizona, close to where the drug lords are running the border instead of us. Right. And what they should do is bring all communities together, the law enforcement community, the Latino community, the legislature, everything. Let them and bring all the cameras they possibly can. And they should put up a big map and show people where Hamas is uh, on the border, where the drug lords are Mm -hmm. governed and and show it like almost like a battle map so that Americans have a visual of what's going on. Because if you're in Colorado and it doesn't really affect you on a day to day basis, you don't get this. But haven't there been documentaries? Didn't David Bossie's group Citizens United do do a documentary on it? And that's not John Maynard. That's not Mitch McConnell. It is not Republicans in mass. Yeah, those are good things out there, but that's not enough. It takes a Planned Parenthood style. It takes some shock and awe. Yes. And so create this visual. And I'm uh, seriously, I mean, a map of here's where we don't control the border here. Here, watch the drug lords do this. There's a lot of violence there. You need to get some crime on tape. You need to get some video of some crime going down and and make it real for people. That's step one. Step two is secure the border. And, and people say, oh, it can't really be done. Well, let me t- let me ask you a question. If there were 70,000 troops of a foreign government on our border down there about to invade and they let us know, mm-hmm. do you think we couldn't stop it? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course we could. It's a question of resolve and will and resources. What do you think about Trump's plan with the wall? I think p- portions of that, what is it, 2,500 miles, certainly could use a wall. That has worked well in San Diego. Will it work for every square mile? I'm not certain about that. Or not every square mile, every linear mile, but it can work in a lot of places. You bring, but bringing people, as as uh, Rick Perry proved, and cameras down to the border, that can work in certain areas. Certain areas should rely on a wall. It's a question of resources. By the way, I'm for a flat tax, which means we could lay off a lot of Treasury workers. I think we should send them all to the border with clipboards saying, <laughs> "I'm from the IRS." You're coming across. How can I help you? That might right. turn around a few. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily have to be a wall, mm-hmm. but we should be able to do bring the resources. So step one is create that awareness. And that's critical because that's how you get people behind your plan. Republicans are terrible about getting people behind their good ideas because they don't talk about them. Secure, secure it. Step three. Half of those here, quote unquote, illegally overstay their visas. Mm-hmm. It's not mean to tell someone who's here from Croatia or Italy or England or anyone else who's overstaying their promise to stay for six months or three mm-hmm. months, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that, hey, you know what? We had a deal. You right. need to go back. So you right. have a week to leave or not. Right. That would dramatically if we had a good enforcement policy like they do in most countries. That like would, they do in Mexico. Yeah. That would dramatically mm-hmm. reduce the number. I'm also for a very defined guest worker program. I know you know that a big company, if they need certain uh, technical skills out of workers, they can apply to get people from India or somewhere else to come over on a special visa, work visa. Right? And I do know that we have a need for, for technical skill. Absolutely. But beyond that, if, mm-hmm. if let's have a defined guest worker program, they come in today Someone crosses the border illegally, they go to work. Mm-hmm. Many of them, they work in the fields. Mm-hmm. Or During, jack in the box. Then on the on season, <laughs> the off season, what do they do? They tend to go on public assistance, mm-hmm. right? Many of them do that because they don't go back home because they don't want to make the journey again because they, they don't know if they'll get back for sure. 
If we had a very defined guest worker program that said, okay, you can come from June to August 31st, mm-hmm. but then you're going to go back as mm-hmm. opposed to going on public assistance. That'll be good for the budget. It provides the workers and many of the people that are here now who are afraid to go back. If they had a program that said, if you signed up mm-hmm. and you're not getting, you're not going to become a citizen, but you sign up, then you can go back for the other nine months to visit your family. Again, now you're taking a number. Nobody knows what it is, 8 million or 20. You're, you're working on those overstaying your visas. You're working on the guest per worker program, and you can get that number down to a manageable amount. If you take these four steps and gain the trust of Americans that you're serious about this, then I think it's a manageable number. But I think Americans are saying, you know what, I don't even want to hear about guest worker programs. I don't want to hear about anything until they're until we've first and foremost secured the border. And people, that's why Trump is resonating, because people people get it. They saw all these that's unaccompanied why, minors coming across that really weren't minors. That's why it's step four as opposed to right. it is after you get control of the board. There is it makes no sense. And the analogy I use is. If your sink is overflowing because the faucet's still on, Mm -hmm. you don't start by mopping up the floor. Right. (laughs) What you do is you get control of, and the faucet in this case is the border. And by the way, this this isn't, shouldn't be a punitive argument or that the only reason we need to do this is because of immigration. Whatever thoughts you had about the border prior to 9-11, you have to change your mind because they are crossing the border as well. And they're a... Uh, real and present danger to us. I hope you guys have been listening to the entire interview just now with Tom Del Bacaro. That was part one. He talked about, he started first, he mentioned the flat tax first, but then he started in in depth about the water issue. And the reason why he did that is, as he said, this is prop, that, that's like the prop 13. This is a once in a lifetime issue for us. It's strategy. It's brilliant. It's a Republican talking about an issue and you can't tell whether he's a Republican or a Democrat. He's talking about an issue that's affecting every Californian. Right now I got to hide when I want to water my plants on my deck because literally I could get busted because we're only supposed to be watering certain days a week. Meanwhile, my plants are going to die on me. I mean, you know, that's water issue is a huge issue here in California. People forget that the Senate races, they think, oh, this is where I'm voting. They don't realize that the senators affect all of us. You know, it's a huge national impact for every Senate seat that's out there in these congressional races. Tom DelBacaro has some of the best ideas I've heard. I loved what he was talking about with the illegal immigration. And one of the things that he talked about was. His analogy, he's so smart strategically in terms of using really good examples. When he talks about if your sink is overflowing, you turn off the faucet first. He speaks and articulates in a way that everybody can understand that reaches across the aisle to everybody. We need more Tom DelBacaros. If you're listening to me within California, please tune in next week and hear the other part of my interview. We're going to be talking about radical Islam, which he says after 9-11, you cannot be looking at the border in the same way you did before. He's going to be talking more about the flat tax. He articulates the value of the free enterprise and free market system better than anybody I've ever heard. It was his article from Forbes that I posted after the Pope's visit last week in which uh, the Pope uh, went to Congress and talked about what a lot of people talked about climate change and talked about income redistribution and a lot of socialist uh, issues. And he wrote a great article about the value of the free market system and how it's helped everybody, including the Catholic organization. This man is a genius. Please Uh, Listen to next week's interview with him. Speaking of radical Islam, 
um, you know, we've got where everybody's talking about how we got to take in all these refugees everywhere, except the Christians. Right now, bless his heart, there is a Nazi survivor, a Jewish man named George Weidenfeld, who has decided to start an organization to try to help rescue, get the Christians who are suffering, being literally crucified at the stake, children being sold into slavery. This man is doing whatever he can do to get them out. He has called upon Europe. He has called upon Britain to ask them, beg them, if any of these nations will take the Christian refugees, and they've been told no. So... Why is this? I mean, liberals abandoned the slaves. We know it was the Republicans that freed the slaves. We know that it was that it was um, the Republican Party that has continued to stand with Israel now for decades. Yes, it was a de- it was a Democrat who was president at the time of, of World War II, in which um, we took out Nazism and communism. But quite frankly, this administration here in America and the Democrats knew what was happening over there for a really long time and ignored it. Well, that's the same thing that's happening here with Christians. We have an attack on Christians. We have a genocide going on around the world. And we're going to talk next week. We're going to hear from Thomas Del Beccaro about this. Right now, we heard from Putin today in front of the UN, and he was talking stronger, and he was talking more clear about the threat of radical Islam and that it's a global caliphate more than anybody that I've heard here in America. We have another report that the New York Times actually couldn't bring it upon themselves despite multiple attempts at correcting the story that it was a Jewish man. They kept reporting a Jewish man pelted with rocks as though the rocks pelted, you know, through themselves. Finally, they admitted it was a Palestinian mob that pelted a Jewish man uh, to death. That, you know, why in the world we've got so many Americans and institutions here just in such denial about the threat that we face from radical Islam is literally a noodle scratcher to me. I want to spend some more time exploring that again next week. In the last two minutes we have left, I'm not sure what happened in tonight's NFL game, but uh, maybe you can tell me in my ear what happened with that. Kansas City was playing Green Bay. Green Bay put a hurt on them. Congratulations to my gal, Susan. Susan Aiello, we know that she's actually a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm sad to report that both of my NFL teams, the Saints and the Chargers, went down, had some hurt put on them. But the, you know what? I, I'm a longtime Saints fan. I, I was I was there during the bags. You can't get me down, okay? You can't make me sad. Um, I'm still thinking the Chargers have an opportunity. The offensive line, Todd, was just really, they've had the hurt put on them. If we get some people back healthy, Rivers still has an arm. He still has that cool. Get Gates back. Get Gates back. And, you know, I ain't giving up on the Chargers. With Breeze on the sideline, I'm not really feeling very good, you know, about the Saints prospects. I'm not into fantasy football, but I've even given up on the fantasy of the Saints (laughs) making it to the playoffs. But anyway, it's, it's been a dream to do my show every week and share this time with you all. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Denise. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Denise Gitson for calling in, Alicia for being in here, Tom DeBacaro for for a great interview. Love the work that you're doing. Buy his book, The Divided Error, and tune in next week to hear more from him. And tune in every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time right here on AM 1170, The Answer. I'm going to post information on where you can see me on America Trends TV this week. Have a great week, everybody. Love you all. Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. 
Hi, this is Tom Elliott. You've now heard about the all-out price war between the major life insurance companies. This is a great opportunity to make sure you have enough life insurance to protect your family and make sure you aren't paying too much. It really does make a difference who you call. As an independent broker, I impartially shop all the top companies so you save. The key is knowing which companies will overlook certain weight or medical issues without bumping up your premiums. Bigger isn't better. Nobody can find you better coverage for less, and I'm right here in San Diego. When you call, you speak directly with me, and all you... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.